You're listening to the Believe in Islanders show with Matt Watney. Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Believe in the Islanders podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. It's Matt Wilding here to take you through what will be pretty much the entire season of Islanders hockey. Season number 50, the Big 5-0, a season that, frankly, I'm excited to get started to later today. Be watching Locked In on the Panthers-Islanders game. But before we get into the show itself, and we've got some season expectations, you know, a mini off-season recap might not get too much into the Matt Barzell extension, but we'll talk about life after, you know, the former coach, Barry Trotz. We'll touch on the roster construction, a team that's basically identical to last year, and even some, you know, news and things to look out for across the NHL at large. But before we get into this show, the meat and potatoes, and I won't take too long on this, I just wanted to introduce myself. It's Matt Watling, and I work for Disney Streaming on the, their NHL site. So we've got a nice little combination here where I can sit here, talk about the Islanders, watch every game, but also I work on the NHL website. So I get to watch games across the NHL, all 32 teams. Last night was watching the doubleheader on ESPN or Tuesday night, I should say, as we record this on a Wednesday. And beyond my work with the NHL, I also produce in radio right here in Syracuse. So a couple hours north of Long Island and where the Islanders play, but right here in Syracuse. But more importantly, beyond the jobs, beyond the stuff that, you know, pays the rent for this apartment. Uh, More importantly, I'm a third generation Islanders fan. I grew up going to games. My parents had season tickets when I was a kid. And covering hockey is what I always wanted to do. And I get to do that now here. And I thank Believe for giving me this opportunity. I would like to thank Joe Serralo for the opportunity. Jenna Duddleston, my producer, and Brian Brown, our audio, our great audio guy, showing me the ropes the last week or so before we get this show off the ground. But getting back to the hockey and the Islanders, more importantly. Obviously, I said grew up going to games, went to Moe's, Alfredo's in Westbury. TGI Fridays was the meeting spot where my mom would drop me off and have my dad pick me up. You know, the, the car swaps so we can get to the games. And man, was that a fun time watching these teams. And I know they weren't always the prettiest of times. You know, I'm 23 years old. So what I saw, the John Tavares era, I saw before John Tavares, right? And now I've seen this new era under Matt Barzell, now under Lane Lambert. And I want to do this show just because I want to share my love of hockey and this, and this team. You know, this is a team that I've listened to or I've rather followed for so long. I feel like I needed to have a space to talk about it. And, and this is that space. It's in-depth Isles talk. We're looking at some pretty cool interviews right now. If you've got any ideas, feel free to shoot me a message on Twitter at MattWatling99. Feel free to reach out to the podcast Twitter at Believe in the Isles. Plus, you know, beyond that, we've got some league insight, right? Because when you see the Panthers on the schedule today, you want to know about the Panthers. What is about this team? What happened? What changes did we see from this team? And it's not just Huberto leaving, it's Kachuk coming, right? What are the impacts of the team when it comes from their goaltending standpoint, right? Sergey Bobrovsky, is he the biggest question mark? Is losing Mackenzie Weger a bigger hole than a guy in John Huberto who just set the, the team record in points? I think it is. Because Kachuk could do that. Kachuk could score goals and net some points and play on the power play. But who's stepping in for Mackenzie Weger? That's what I want to know for this team. And that's what, as the season progresses, we'll talk about right here on this show. Now, let's get to the, the meat potatoes, like I said. We want to talk about this team. And I look at, you know, where to start. It's got to be Barry Trotz, right? He gets fired at the end of the season and... 
I think he almost needed the break more than what the team needed. When I look at Barry Trotz, I say this is a guy that went through a lot in his personal life, went through a lot coaching this team. And the fact that he's not coaching now and said, listen, I can't do it. I think that says something to me because he had the Winnipeg job on a silver platter. He had any job he wanted on a silver platter and he couldn't take him. I don't think he was ready for it. But I look at Lane Lambert and I say, this is a really awesome spot for Lane Lambert. This is a really cool opportunity for a guy that hasn't had a head coaching job in his career, at least in the last 20 years, you know, riding shotgun to Barry Trotz. But when I look at what Lane Lambert can be for this team, he might be able to sort of bring the Trot system forward offensively. That's not to say Barry Trotz didn't know offense. He had Alexander Ovechkin and Nick Backstrom for a couple of years and won a Stanley Cup with them. But when I look at this team, they don't have the surefire scorers that Barry Trotz had back in his day. So maybe this is a team that couldn't sit back defensively as much as the Washington Capitals could under Barry Trotz. And for Lane Lambert, talk about a good spot for him. The veterans know what they're doing. Like Zach Prisay knows how to back check and how to play defense. He's been in the league for a long time. This is one of the older teams in the league. They know what they're doing. Anders Lee knows how to back check. Brock Nelson has been transformed because of Barry Trotz, and I don't see that going away. So what does Lane Lambert need to do? Ease off the reins a little bit. Let Matt Barzell be the free spirit that he wants to be. Looks like a gazelle on ice. right? Let him be the offensive dynamo that, frankly, this team needs him to be. Because, again, you didn't change the roster. You didn't bring in Vladimir Tarasenko. You didn't bring in Johnny Goudreau. You didn't bring in Azim Kadri, who I'm okay with not having him. I think he could be a 60-point guy, but you've got like seven of those. I need difference makers. And I think Matt Barzell needs to be a difference maker on this team. We'll get to him later on. But Oliver Wallstrom needs to be a difference maker on this team. So underline Lambert, same system, same style play, a better defense than last year with the youth that they bring in. Just as good goaltending, if not maybe better, because now either Sorokin's got another year under his belt. And the new voice is good. And maybe the firing, whether you want to call it a firing, or maybe it was Trotz kind of stepping down, which is maybe what I see it as. Maybe that's an opportunity for this team to say, hey, like, we don't, we, this is our last crack at the can. We don't make the playoffs. We've got a lot of questions to answer because, you know, it's easier to fire the coach than, than the team or the players. Well, if, if the team doesn't get it done, the players don't get it done, something's got to change. And I think it can get done. And the biggest thing that Lane Lambert needs to focus on is boosting this offense because it was not enough. You look at the good teams in the NHL, the Stanley Cup winning teams in the NHL, they score goals. And I know Lou Lemmer loves his goal differential. Versus goals for when you're playing Tampa Bay, you're, you're not not giving up more than two goals. I'd be shocked if you give up, you know, one goal to Tampa Bay, one goal to Florida. And at that point, can they lock you down? And last season, they could. You know, look at the, the Rangers, for example, team that we all, we all know all too well. Elite goaltending. Good puck-moving defensemen that maybe aren't the best in their own zone, but they take chances and they capitalize on them. And the honors need to take some of that into their repertoire. All right, let's talk roster construction. Everyone's favorite. Wasn't a lot of changes. Shoshnikov gets an opportunity. I like that. That's cool. I think this fourth line's kind of seen its uh, better days. It's on the back nine, maybe the back three, if you want to call it that. So I like Shoshnikov. He's cool. He's a good. He's fine. He'll be a fourth liner, maybe a little more energy, maybe a little more speed, which I like. Other changes. 
A guy like Romanov, cool. Again, an improvement. Is he going to be elite? Eh, I don't know. He could be pretty good. I don't think he's going to be elite. But you don't need elite for your fourth defenseman. And frankly, I think Mayfield could be your fourth defenseman. But you're going to stagger him opposite Dobson so that you're really kind of getting two really good second and third pairings as opposed to, you know, two elite top pairings and then an okay below average kind of third pairing. But the biggest player on this roster, the most important player on this roster for this season is going to be Oliver Wallstrom. He's the biggest X factor. He's the guy that you got to focus in on. Because we know what Ilya Sorokin is. He could win the Vezina tomorrow. He could pitch a shutout any given night. We know Matt Barzell's floor and what he should be. We know what Anders Lee is. We know what Brock Nelson is. Oliver Wallstrom is the most important player to Lane Lambert. His growth is what sets this team apart from being what they were the last couple of years, which was a team that could not score in the playoffs, a team that struggled, that looked outclassed against the Tampa Bay Lightning a couple of years ago in the bubble, and then they got better the year after, but they really didn't look like they should have been there, right? It was the defense. It wasn't the scoring that you saw in last year's playoffs. That's what carried teams. Right, the Rangers probably top five in goal scoring last year. The Lightning right there. Colorado right there. Oliver Wallstrom is quite possibly the only shot, maybe not this year, but in the next three, four years, at a 40-goal scorer for Matt Barzell or this team. He's that good. He has that good of a shot. And it's up to Lane Lambert to kind of forget what happened last year under Barry Trotz and get the most out of Wallstrom. You know, Nelson at 37 last year. If he could do it again, that would be incredible for this team. If Anders Lee could hit 30, and he was basically on pace for it, he had 28 and 76 games in the first half of the season, he was not very good. That's fantastic. Because those guys combined for what would be 70 goals this season, and Wallstrom could hit 30, when they got three guys providing for 100 goals, and the rest of the lineup's got to find what? Another couple hundred? What is it, 300? 400? Whatever the number is? Probably 200 in that in that mark, in that stratosphere. And that could be really cool. That could be a fun opportunity. And for Wallstrom last year, 78 games, 24 points. And I think it was Kevin Kirst in The Athletic had a really unique story talking about how Wallstrom put too much pressure on him. And maybe that comes from coaching, right? Trotz demands a lot out of his players. And Wallstrom's a offensive dynamo. He's not a guy that's going to sit there and back check as hard as you maybe like. But you know who else doesn't? Alexander Ovechkin. And he's on pace or he's close to breaking Wayne Gretzky's record. And I'm not saying Washington's a, a record breaker, but I am saying if he can score 40 goals, I can forgive a couple a couple flubs here and there that hopefully Sorokin bails him out for. But beyond this, well, one thing, and we kind of touched on it before, the Romanov-Dobson line or pairing, that could be maybe a little Nick Letty-Johnny Boychuk 2.0. Can we see that? Can we see 2.0? A, a guy that's as big as a truck and hits just like one. A smooth skating Dobson who I wouldn't be surprised if he wins an Norris Trophy by the end of this three-year deal that he just signed. He's that good. And it probably won't be this year because he's kind of got, he's got to take that next step. Last year, he was very good. He's got to have a year or two in elitehood before he's actually, you know, qualified, quote unquote, for that job or for that trophy, I should say. Because you look at, you know, Zuban and, and all the, the great 
NHL players, they, they kind of waited their time to win the Norris Trophy. It was kind of a backlog dating back to even 10 years ago when it was Dowdy and it was, you know, in that whole class of defensemen. They had to wait their turn. It's kind of showing its, its face now, frankly. But I look at that line or deep pair and I say it's something special. But I'll go back to what I said at the top and why Oliver Walsh is so important to this team. This offense scares me. This is the offense. This is the key to this team. It's not the defense. We know that'll be good. They were 24th in scoring last year at under 2.8 goals per game. They were on par with the Sabres without Jack Eichel. They were behind the Dallas Stars who were a one-line offense. And they scored just a quarter of a goals more per game than the Arizona Coyotes. That's a bad team. And you could barely outscore them on the average. That, that can't happen this year. If you want to be a playoff team, you got to be higher than. You got to be scoring more than that. Take some chances. You know, I back when I was writing for Isles blog a couple years ago in the playoffs, we t- I talked about high danger chances and expected goals. And I was all about it. You know, we had 15 shots, but our expected goals was two, and we scored three, so we're good. Right? We out we out expected goals them two to one. Fantastic. But I'm, I'm done with that now. Because this isn't a playoff team anymore. This team didn't make the playoffs last year. Ergo, they're not a playoff team. And playoff teams get that cachet, that ability to say, hey, listen, maybe they're better than we're seeing. Maybe they'll figure it out. But this team right now, they don't have that because they missed the playoffs last year. Sorry. Maybe it's unfair. Maybe it's not right for me to think that, but I do. And this is a team that's got to start scoring actual goals. And I love stats. I'll keep referring to them on this show. Maybe we'll do a little... Lesson, if you're interested, right? A little natural stat trick. Maybe we'll bring in some, some analytics people to the show to explain them better than me. Because I certainly, I know them. I don't really know them all that well. I don't know them all that well, but I, I do appreciate them. Because I think they are important. But you need a point-per-game guy on this roster. That's what Stanley Cup winners have. That's why the Islanders couldn't get over the hump the last couple of years. And I'll give you a hot take. And I know Islanders fans won't like it, but I truly believe it. If this team managed to re-sign John Tavares, they would have a Stanley Cup by now. Because it takes the pressure off of Matt Barzell. You're still bringing in Sorokin. you still got some really talented players. That's the guy that would have been the difference. Because maybe right now he's not a point-per-game player, and he's injured right now. But to give Barzell that cover would be so important for this team. And frankly, I don't think Brock Nelson does it. I mean, could you imagine Brock Nelson as a third-line center for this team? He'd be quarterbacking, powering that second power play unit. Tavares in the top unit with Barzell floating around. Maybe you you know, float Barzell the top line on the wing when you need a a goal in the last couple minutes of that third period. Man, that'd be special. Oof. But look at the last five cup winners. Colorado, Tampa, Tampa, St. Louis, Washington. All had very good scoring. Maybe not St. Louis. But they also stunk for half the season and got hot when it mattered. So they kind of get thrown out the way. Bottom line, this team's got to score. And that kind of takes us to more or less my expectations for this team. And I'll give you two options. Do you want the optimistic or the pessimistic first? And I think I'll give, ooh, what do we want first? That's the question. Do I want to be happy or want to be sad? Let's go happy. We'll go happy first. I'm excited. It's opening day today, if you're listening to this on Thursday morning. Taking on the Panthers. They're a team that kind of took a step back a little bit in my eyes, defensively at least. And I think by the time the trade deadline happens, they'll, they'll acquire a, a top four defenseman. 
So they just got to weather the storm of the regular season. It feels like they are shooing to be a playoff team regardless. All right. Optimism. They're second in the division behind Carolina. Sorokin and Varley win the Jennings Trophy. Matt Barzell scores 85 points. They're hovering right around three goals per game. They allow 2.3. Can they win a cup? Absolutely in that scenario. You're second in the division. You're probably playing the Rangers in a playoff series. Man, how exciting would that would that would be? If I got to watch the Rangers and the Islanders in a in a playoff series, seven games, I might have to take the six-hour drive down to UBS Arena to watch that one. Might have to ask off work for that one. Because man, that's that's an experience that few people get to get to have, frankly. And both teams haven't been good at the same time in, in quite some time, I would say. You know, can Brock Nelson repeat what he did last year? I think he can. I don't see why not. I mean, he did this with the first 20 games of the season, really just the entire team in shambles. Between the long road trip, between COVID and fielding basically half an AHL roster. Can Nelson score 37? I hope so. That'd be a treat if he could get 40. Because at that point, now you've got two legitimate centers, right? You have Nelson, which was elite last year, I would argue. And then Barzell taking that step to around 85 points. Can he hover at a little more than a point per game? That'd be fantastic for this team. Right? Paul Mary, he can't afford to be met. Barzell's at his best when he has a guy that can score. And Paul Mary was very inconsistent last year. He's got to come out of the gate sharp. Him or Parise, because they're both two streaky guys that got hot late. But unfortunately, it didn't matter. And then, don't get me started, we already talked about Wallstrom. But then Bo, Anthony Beauvillier has got to have some consistency. This team's got a lot of talent, don't get me wrong. When they're firing on all cylinders, and that just doesn't happen enough for this team. It's really a shame, because they've got some special pieces. Bo could be a 60-point scorer. Palmieri could be a 60-point scorer. Parise can be a you know a 20-goal scorer. Who else do you want to talk about? Pajot, lockdown third-line center kind of guy. Sezikis, lockdown fourth-line center kind of guy. But to look at Oliver Wallstrom, and, and one thing, I, I do want to get to this too, and I guess this is the, the negative side of it, but I do want to mention it. He's got to be in that lineup opening night. I, I saw the, the report that he was skating with the extra skaters on Tuesday, and I think Wednesday even, and I was getting worried. I was nervous because this is a guy that's got to play. He's got to play over Kiefer Bellows. I'm sorry. I don't care if he doesn't do the little things right. This team is full of 12 guys, 12 forwards, or 11 forwards that can do the right thing. One of them can take a day off once in a while. What he brings offensively is so much more important than what Bellows brings with the physicality. Right? Slot Parise on that third line. Bring Wallstrom up to that second line with, with Matt Barzell. Bring up to the top line with Brock Nelson. But you got to give Barzell someone that can shoot. You got to give him someone, and that someone has to be Oliver Wallstrom. I'm sorry. It's got to be him. Let's get back to the positive. I want to smile. And it, maybe it's a little doom and gloom here, but trust me, if, if I might say, and the Islanders do what I expect them to do, it'll be a lot more positive moving forward because I do think this team is a playoff team. And I think they're a playoff team because the Capitals are going to take a step back. I don't know how they're making the playoffs this year. I really don't. Nick Baxter on the LTIR, he's got an injury bank. You know, he might not be back the entire season. So that center core down the middle is Kuznetsov, who was supposed to be out of there two years ago, Dylan Strom, who was making like $3 million, Lars Eller, and Nick Dowd. That's fine. There's nothing spectacular. There's no stars on this team anymore. There's no bona fide point per game stars on this team, right? Ovechkin's great. He could score 50 goals this season. And maybe that makes my point move. But it's Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Connor Brown. Then Protoss is your second line left winger. And I got to be honest, guys, 
keep in mind, I'm I work for the for the NHL basically. I work for Disney, who works on the NHL website. It's a little confusing. I don't know who this Oliaske Protoss guy is. I don't. And I, I think that says a little more about the state of the Capitals than it does about me. Dylan Strom, great player. Mantha, nice player. Johansson, LR, TJ Oshie. It's a good line three years ago. Could be an okay line this year. Stole. They're an old team. They're a solid team, but they're an old team. And you look at their goaltending, and I say, look, they revamped it. Darcy Kemper won a Stanley Cup. I'm not taking that away from him. But maybe he takes a step back because that defense isn't too good. That team isn't as good as they were in Colorado. And then I look at Boston. That's the other team that I think kind of helps the Islanders out a little bit. That team's got a lot of injuries. They're old. Patrice Bergeron is coming back. He's not 100%, I don't believe. You know, that second line's nice, but it's Dave Krejci who just took a year off the NHL. They were scoring it up in the preseason. Now, again, that's the preseason. I don't know. I, I don't love that team. You want to talk about their defense right now? With the injuries to Marshan to start the year, Charlie McAvoy and Matt Grizzlick to start the year. How about a top pairing of Hampus Lindholm and Brandon Carlo? Does that scare you? Does Derek Forward and Jacob Zaboro scare you? I, I mean, they're fine. But you don't have Tuka Rask in that anymore. You have Linus Olmark and Jeremy Swim, who were very good last year with a healthy Charlie McAvoy in front of him and an elite Patrice Bergeron. So I, I don't know. I think the Islanders should be better than those two teams specifically. You know, the Penguins, I think they could be better than the Penguins. That team doesn't scare me all that much either. Again, it's aging. And look, the Islanders are, are a little older, but their important players are young. It's Barzell. It's Nelson in his prime. It's not Sidney Crosby and Malkin, who are probably on their last contracts. Right? So could the Islanders be worse than those teams? Yeah. I mean, they were last year, right? Maybe the offense isn't as good as we thought it was. Maybe the offense wasn't as good as we thought they could bounce back to be, right? To get to the pessimistic side. They're too slow. They're too old, right? Zach Priest is on your second line, and really, that's kind of your first line because it's Matt Barzell's line, right? They're too slow. They're too old. The Devils are better than them because they figure out their goaltending and they've got a lot of talent. The Columbus Blue Jackets, Johnny Goudreau, they take a step forward. Ottawa snagged a wild card spot that Boston gave up and now you're the 10th best team in the conference. Right? Sorokin's still elite in this scenario in my eyes. The defense is still good, but the offense can't score. And there isn't enough maneuverability on this roster because you got a, got, got a lot of guys making 0 .2, 0 .4 million more than they should and you can't get better. And by the time they are good in two, three years, Brock Nelson, Anders Lee, Josh Bailey, Sezikis, they're all too old. And Anthony Mobilio is walking out the door and you didn't replace him because you couldn't trade him in time. And that is like the nightmare of nightmares for this team. I don't even want to think about that. Please get it out of my mind. Let's get to the reality. Come on. The positives. I think this is a playoff team. They are better than Washington. They are better than Boston. I think they're better than the Penguins, especially with the goaltending. They remind me a lot of the Rangers, except kind of the voodoo metaverse version, right? The alternative Rangers, the anti-Ranger, which is ironic because they're the rival, right? The Rangers, high-flying, scoring, a lot of talent in their own zone kind of stink, but good goaltending. The Islanders, not the best scoring, but they can take more, more chances because of their goaltending. And now it's about capitalizing. And they've got enough talent on this team, maybe not game-breaking talent like the Maple Leafs have, or like the Rangers have, but they've got enough talent, guys that know how to play hockey, that are smart enough 
that they can put the puck in the net. And that goes back to coaching in Oliver Wallstrom because he's the key guy. We'll talk about him all season long. But the reality is they're a playoff team. The hope is that they are in a playoff spot, come the deadline, which I think they are, so they can be all in on a guy like Patrick Kane. All in on a legitimate, bona fide point-per-game score. Because I don't know how many more cracks they can you have at this if you're Lou Lamarill. He's supposed to be, you know, his contract's up at the end of the year. There's been kind of, I don't want to say reports, but kind of swirling ideas that maybe his son Chris Lamarill takes over. Which is fine. I don't, I don't know. It is what it is. I like the analytics that they have. They've got five people working that. But spend a first-round draft pick because you did in the last couple of years, right? You were pretty passive the last little while. I mean, you got out, you went out and got Pajot. You went out and got, you know, I wanted Taylor Hall when he was available, but you went out and got uh, the Devils players, right? Paul Mary and uh, was it Zajac? I think it was Zajac. And it flopped because you didn't have a point-per-game guy. But go out there, splurge the extra little bit, go hit yourself this year's Taylor Hall, and have him run wild with Matt Barzell. Maybe you can, you know, pull back on the reins defensively because you've got that extra guy that can score. But please, get me a score this year, Lou. You got to do it. Please. Uh, let's get to the, the top five and bottom five. We'll get to some of our uh, our NHL segments, we'll call it. We'll do one or two of these every single show because if you're a hockey fan, if you're an Islanders fan, and you're a diehard listening to this podcast, you want to know about the rest of the league. And who better to hear it from than a guy that gets paid 40 hours a week to watch hockey every game. Every game I want. What's on tonight? I'm watching it. TNT tonight? I'm watching it. Let's go. This, of course, recording on a Wednesday. Top five, bottom five. So we'll power rankings of the top and bottom teams in the NHL. And we'll go five to one. So the best five teams. So my fifth best team, and you're not going to you're not going to hear this, Islanders fans. It's the New York Rangers. It has to be. Conference finalists last year. They're a talented team. Shesterkin's great. I think that decor is improving. DeAndre Miller could win a Norris trophy. He's right on pace with Noah Dobson with a little less pressure because he's got Fox and Truba. And look, until further notice, they can score. I think there's going to be some regression this season, but they got to prove it to me first. They got to show me a little regression. And, and on Tuesday night, they won and they beat Tampa Bay Lightning, who I think will struggle quite a bit this season. It's kind of getting up there in age with them. They can still win a Stanley Cup. They get to win a couple playoff series. They still scare me beyond belief. But that's a team that might take a step back this year. And you might not see it in the regular season because they're good enough to beat Chicago and Arizona and the bad teams in this league. When it comes to playoff time, they might take a step back. Number four, Edmonton Oilers. They improved in net undoubtedly. I don't care how bad Jack Campbell was in the second half of that season. He's leaps and bounds better than Mike Smith. And I guess Miko Kostin, former Islander, shouted him. Tall man. That's a good team, Edmonton Oilers. Uh, the third team in my top five, Calgary Flames. I love their defense. That's a, that could be the best defense in the NHL. Kenzie Weger's awesome. I think that offense this season is negligibly, negligibly different. You know, Goudreau, you lose Goudreau. Monahan was basically a non-factor. You lose Kachuk. But you bring in Kadri. You bring in Huberto. And one thing to keep out a look guy, or a lookout for for this team this team won't be as good as they were last year in five years. Guess what? It's 2022, 2023. And they might go out there and make a big difference. Frankly, this, this season, I think they'd be better. And then, you know, when Huberto gets older, it might take a step back. I think that's okay because otherwise you're losing Kachuk for nothing. And it was a rebuild time. So good on them. 
They saw their window. They capitalized on it. And I like it. All right, number two, Colorado Avalanche, Stanley Cup champions. Two things that concern me, though. Alex Georgiev and Net. we don't know what he's going to be. I think he's better than he was last year. But how much better, I don't know. And then Alex Newhook, your second-line center, that just concerns me a little bit. I think you slot him up maybe a little bit too soon with the hope that he can figure it out this season. Or, like the Islanders show with a winger, they go out there and get yourselves a center. How about a little Patrick Kane action? Or Jonathan Taze, rather. What am I saying? Get him to be your second-line center on an expiring contract. And then number one, the team that I think loses, I think it's lose the Stanley Cup to the Calgary Flames, one of the two, the Carolina Hurricanes. That's a wagon. I love what they did this year. You go out, you get some actual star power. You go out and you get Pacioretty. You go out and you get Brett Burns that can score and put the puck in the net. Because last season, last playoffs, you couldn't do it. I like their goaltending. I thought it was fine. I like their defense. I think it's fine. But they just don't have that star power come playoff time. And that does concern me a little bit. It really does. Because I don't know how good this team is come playoff time when you don't have a Chris Kreider, a Mika Zibanejad, or Tammy Panarin. You saw it in that series. They just couldn't keep up. Uh, let's let's take some some bets here. Some best bets for the season. And I've got two games for Thursday night that I think I like quite well. And I'll pull those up here in a moment. Season long, season long, I think the Ovechkin under 81.5 points is a nice, nice option. I think when you look at this team, or Ovechkin, I should say, he can score 50 goals, but is he going to get 32 assists? I don't know. I think not. So I like Ovechkin and his point under. One bet that I hate, by the way, Maple Leafs President's Trophy winners at plus 750, not with that goaltending. So don't bet that. But I guess, you know, to go back to my power rankings, how about Carolina plus 1,100 for the President's Trophy? Good goaltending, added some scoring punch. I like that a lot, actually. I really like them with an opportunity to win the President's Trophy this season. Because I think the good teams took a step back. Tampa Bay, Colorado, they took a step back. All right, let's look at Thursday night games. Under five and a half, Dallas Stars at Nashville Predators. And, and this is kind of funky because the Predators just came back from overseas in Europe on Friday and Saturday. But the Stars are a one-line hockey team. They're not going to score a lot of goals. You just saw uh, Robertson miss basically the entire preseason. What's he going to look like? And both teams have spectacular goaltending and defenses. So give me the under five and a half for Dallas and Nashville at minus 105. And this one's a little ugly, but I think I like it. No Cam Talbot for the Ottawa Senators. And the Sabres goaltending is what? Craig Anderson? Is he still their starting goaltender? I mean, geez. Both these teams, solid offenses. Defenses leave a bit to be desired. Senators in line, hopefully to get Chitrin for their fans. So I love the over at over six in this game at minus 118. So get those two. I like them. Maybe we'll keep doing this. Give me your best bets at MattWilding99. Shoot me a message for those. And now let's get to... The week ahead for the Islanders. Tonight, it's the Panthers. If you're listening to this on a Thursday. Saturday, it's Anaheim. And Tuesday, it's the Sharks. And then we'll have another show out for Thursday morning of next week. Look, Florida's a good test. I'm not doing the win-win-loss-loss-win-win game that I, I love to do with you know, football and baseball, my other show, the Watling and Owen Show. And you should give that a follow as well, at Watling Owen Show on Twitter, because that's a fun show too. Not as much hockey, but still New York sports. But you just got to bank your points as much as you can. That's all you can do in, the, in this next month of the season. Because you don't necessarily make the playoffs by Thanksgiving. And that's only a month and a couple weeks away. But you can certainly miss them. And that's what the Islanders did last year. 
They missed the playoffs because that first month of the season, to a moderate fault of their own, I'm not going to say no fault, I'm not going to say all the fault, to a moderate fault of their own, were out by last Thanksgiving. So stack up some wins. I want to see Matt Barzell shooting more. We saw it in a uh, in a preseason game. And I want to see if there's any wrinkles to the team. Are they going to take the little extra step? Are they going to give up the extra I-man rush so they can get their own beforehand? I want to see things like that. And we'll be sure to talk about that next week. Finally, my game of the week in the NHL. It's tonight, it's Colorado. It's Calgary. 9.30, a little late for you. I guess the Yankees are playing too on a Thursday if it's not rained out. So it might need to be the uh, the phone game, but that's okay because it's on ESPN+. Plus. And that's a game. Oh, I'm so excited for that game. I'm glad I'm working that night because those are two teams that I want to watch. Those are fun teams with solid goaltenders and, and great defenses. Boy, oh boy, that'll be fun. So be sure to watch that game. Coming up next week, we'll, we'll try to get some guests on as we build up the show. If you have any suggestions, feel free to toss them over. I've got a list. Check it twice, if you will. I've got some some emails being sent around, but if you've got any ideas, let me know. If you want even, actually, what we'll do is we'll have a voicemail set up. So I'm going to try to figure it out on Google Voice, but for now, follow me at MattWatling99 on Twitter. Record a little voice memo. Send it to me at any hour of the day. If you're listening to this here in New York, in California, in Toronto, in Peru, I don't care. The Islanders fan base is, as we've seen on Twitter, across the nation, across the globe. Shoot me a message, whether it be a voicemail or just a, hey, a little mailbag situation. Let me know because I want to hear from you guys. I want to hear what the fans think about this team and what their expectations are because I have mine and I'm a little bit more pessimistic than others. I'm a little more pessimistic. I'm not someone that thinks this team can win a Stanley Cup right now, but I want to hear from you if you are pessimistic, if you're optimistic, because that's what the show's for about at the end of the day. I do it for you guys because I want to know, and I want to be the voice for the Islanders fans, or part of the voices. We've got a great crew of people covering this team, from the Athletic to Isles Fix to National Hockey Now, and everything in between. I know I missed a bunch of people, but I want to help be a part of it and help share the voices of Islanders fans. Because this is going to be a fun season, season number 50, and it starts tonight, taking on the Florida Panthers. So we'll catch you next week. Be sure if you missed a moment. Well, you didn't miss a moment because you're here watching, you're listening to the podcast or watching here on YouTube. Be sure to drop a follow at MattWatling99. Or, of course, follow us on, on Twitter at the uh, the show account. And that's at Believe in Isles. Because I, I don't want to sit here and have an account. And I haven't promoted it yet at the start of the recording because there's no tweets yet. But I want to have a nice little following on that. Retweet some things, hear some thoughts from some people. If you want to message that account instead of my personal, go ahead because I want to hear from you. And we'll catch you next week, same time, same place. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.